So cool. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thanks so much for being a part of today. If you're brand new, we're especially glad you're here. Thanks for checking us out. We have a welcome bag and stuff. And say hi to me at the patio. My wife Heidi and I will be around at the patio. And we would love to just meet you and say hi. And then, of course, yeah, brunch next week. Another great chance to find out more, ask questions about branches, or see what there's some ways to get connected. But we're just so glad you're here. And, you know, last night, right in this very room, we had a really cool thing where a bunch of churches came together, and we did this, like, night of singing and prayer together and communion. And it was really cool to have all these different traditions and different groups together. And it was a real kind of interesting, like, moment to see, right? Different diverse people from all kinds of walks and backgrounds and life. And, and here we are together. It was a reminder of the, the beauty and diversity of, like, the community of faith. But it, there's also something really interesting is that isn't there so many things to disagree about, too, though, right? It's, like, kind of challenging to do events like that, gatherings like that, because, honestly, but there's a lot of things that, like, we can disagree on. In fact, the, the Christian community has been disagreeing together from the very beginning of time, right? 2,000 years of disagreements. And even before that, humanity in general, right, disagreeing with each other. It's hard to get along with people, right, getting along. And, and, and in fact, social media, Facebook, like, it's exasperated all of that. I don't know if you noticed, but... There's always something to argue about online. If you don't have it in your real life, online, boom, it just hits you. You know, like, like even just three days ago, four days ago, there was this post. And, like, it was, I think it was someone I didn't know, but somehow I must be friends with them. And they're a pastor somewhere in another state. But they had this post about, you know, it was critical of other churches. And it was mainly about their style of doing things. And it was saying, if you're not doing it like this, you got it wrong. You're missing out, you know. And I was just like... Wow, are you crazy? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you can't say this. This is not true. And I almost started to type a big paragraph back. And then I was like, mm, unfriend. <laughs> you know, just, I don't, just delete, you know. Um, it's so tempting because you're just like, no, that's not true. Like, no way. You can't say that. There's all these disagreements. And it's been happening from the beginning. And we've been looking at Romans, this book in, in, in the Bible called Romans, written to the, the Roman Christians in the earliest days. And it, in those days, they were arguing about a lot of things, too. They were arguing about things like holidays, which holidays to observe, Things like um, eating meat or not, different eating kind of dietary things, Jewish customs and the, the way that plays a role in their lives. Um, <clears throat> and today, or drinking wine or not, all those things were big issues back then. And today there's lots of issues too, right? We have some of those same ones, but we have all sorts of new ones to argue about today. Like, I don't know, politics, you know, uh, climate change, whatever, the pandemic, you know, um, <clears throat> things like... Um, uh, like like lifestyle or like the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives or like signs and wonders and like there's all sorts of things that we can argue about. And, and so we're kind of in this, this soup of, of this kind of conflict. And so this, this but these verses um, that we're going to look at today in Romans, they give us this way through it, way through all of it to, to a way of being at peace with each other. It's like God is saying, this is the way to really be at peace with each other. You want to get along with each other. You want to experience real community like you've always longed for. Then this is the way to do it. These three invitations. 
But before I share what those invitations are in these verses, I felt like I needed to give a little context, a little background for like why we would even do this kind of stuff. Because some of these things in Romans 12 we've been looking at these last few weeks, they can kind of come off like rules a little bit, like another set of Ten Commandments, like do this, do that, do that. And, and this one particularly is really challenging. So instead of just throwing it out there and you're like, oh, I can't do that. You know, because I think, I think we're going to hear it and we're going to be like, how do I do that? I don't know how to, that just seems so against my nature, you know. Um, I want to just paint a little context. Why? Why this? And, and why would we want to listen to what God has to say to us about being in community with each other? The best way I, I can kind of paint this picture is through this story that I read a, a couple weeks ago. So I want to read a little bit of it for you guys. It's a story about a guy a pastor, kind of like myself, in a casual church, contemporary casual place like this, who got to go to a, a Good Friday service with a bunch of other churches and do some, do some parts of these services, right? And when he got there, there was, a, there was all sorts of different um, pastors there, but there was this bishop guy, like a priest bishop guy from a, another kind of a church, and he had a big black robe on, you know, very formal and very serious, and he had this big old gold cross, like just mega gold cross, you know. And, and this, this guy writing this article, he, he, he's like casually dressed like, like we hear. And he wasn't really impressed by this bishop's outfit, you know. And he was kind of actually critical a little bit. He was just kind of judgmental a little bit. Like, you got to dress up like that, you know. And like that cross, like what's the deal with that? You know, it's like a little gaudy, you know, a little, a little much, kind of showy. Like, why, why that, you know? And he was starting to become kind of critical and, until he heard about the story of the cross, like where it came from. The, the bishop began to share the story. Um, you know, in order to assume his new role where he was going, he had to leave behind his community that he had been at for many years, St. Mark's Episcopal, this church where he was loved dearly. And the, pre- the people tried to talk to him. You know, they tried to talk him out of it. They said, no, stay, stay, you know, be, be a part of this. But he felt like God was calling him to go. And so they wanted to express their gratitude uh, for his service there. And so um, they, 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 they wanted to make him this cross. So 242 households, part of this church, they contributed gold pieces which were melted down and forged together. And some of the gold provided was from wedding bands of widow and widowers. Three couples who had divorced and then reconciled each gave a set of wedding rings to the cross. One friend of the bishop was a bachelor who was rejected by the love of his life just days before the ceremony, contributed her ring to the cross as a symbolic surrendering of the pain of his lost love. The cross included a a college ring as well as the bridge from a fellow bishop's mouth. One, (laughs) One mom donated some gold beads, and when her son was four, he found them on a dresser and thought they were toys and damaged them, and this son, he died soon after there in an accident, and she donated them on the day before he would have seen his seventh birthday. 242 stories, stories of celebration, stories of sorrow, stories of peace, stories of pain. But when forged together, they form the cross of Christ. You know, what happened literally with that bishop's cross happened spiritually in every church that devotes itself to community together, this kind of community. When your story mingles with mine, 
and our stories interweave with others, the cross is formed. When one hand holds another in a hospital, the cross is lifted up. When a conservative loves a liberal, when those from different cultures seek to understand each other, when a a logger and a tree hugger stand side by side at the communion table, the cross is lifted up. When Jesus is at the center of the church, people with diversity of backgrounds serve and love each other. Prejudices and biases are replaced with love and grace, and peace, not conflict, is the goal of our relationships. This is the kind of stuff that was on display in the very first church. And those early believers, they gave this powerful testimony to the whole world what was possible with Jesus. And that same possibility, it's available for us right here, right at the vet's hall this morning, that we, through this example of Jesus and the power of God's spirit in us, that we could pattern our lives in this same way. You know, I love this moment today to reflect on on All Saints Day and and to think about life and the shortness of it, the brevity of it, right? This fleeting nature of life. We're here on this planet for just a short time, and our relationships begin to carry more weight when we think about that. We think, what kind of legacy do we want to leave? What kind of memories do we want to give for others? When you think about others that have passed away in your life who've set an example of getting along, or maybe not so much, right? We're challenged to consider how we want to spend our moments, what we want to be remembered for. Will it be a legacy of peace with others, of showing love in spite of all the odds and and all the differences? So in this context, here's three invitations right from, from this chapter in Romans 12 that invite us into a community like this into a way of leaving a legacy like this. And the first one is verse, in verse 14. Romans 12, verse 14. And I'm reading from the message because I just love the way it brings it to life. Here's what it says. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Bless your enemies? You're like, wait, wait, wait. This, this, in fact, it says... In the New Living Translation, pray that God will bless them. Your enemies, you're kind of like the haters out there. The haters are going to hate, and they're, they're all over. They're all around us. We each have them, and, and we're supposed to pray for them? In fact, the specially irritating people in our lives, you know, like the EGR people, extra grace required. <laughs> we got to pray for these people? Like, What? And Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. I mean, so impossible without God's Spirit in us, inviting us into a new way to be praying for them, actually. And we can pray for for them to change. That's not bad. We probably imagine they're in the wrong, obviously. And so we want to pray for them, right? And it's okay. You can pray that that they would have a change of heart, maybe a, a change of outlook. And even that is only done by the grace of God. 
in our lives. I know for me, I can get into these like self-inner dialogues about this person or this situation that I that I it's like a it's a conflict, and I've got my uh, my revenge fantasies going on, and all the stuff I'm going to do, and I'm bring them down, and I hope some bad stuff happens to them. But the minute I start to pray for them, there's this shift that happens. The shift is that this inner dialogue that I'm having about whatever's going to that inner dialogue moves to a conversation with God. And all of a sudden now I'm talking to God, the one who holds all things in the palm of his hand, the, the one who is known as the Prince of Peace, that brings a peace that passes understanding. And I get to talk to that God. And now this inner dialogue moves me to God and, and that connection with God, that reconnection with him, that in turn helps me connect deeper with, with others around me. It's like this peace. It's like the one who holds all things in the palm of his hand wants to walk me through this situation. Be with me in it. It connects me deeper with others. And that's the next verse here, this next invitation towards others. In verse 15, it says, laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears when they're down. Just this invitation to presence with people, right? To, to being connected with people emotionally right where they're at. There's this um, metaphor of we're the body of Jesus, like the, the, the image of his mission and action in the world. We're connected together like a body. In 1 Corinthians 12 in the message says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. So, so we get in on the hurt with each other. We're connected. The sorrow, the loss we experience together. But we also get in on the healing together. We're connected. This is like a remedy for, for isolation or loneliness because all of a sudden, you're part of something whether you want to or not, you know? And, and we're invited to share this journey together. Weep with those who weep. And, and sometimes weeping with those who weep is actually, ironically, a little easier to do than to celebrate with those who celebrate. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but it's kind of natural to have this genuine sympathy for people in sorrow, but to share their joy may present difficulty if this other person's achievement or good fortune uh, is viewed with envy. You know, it's like, they're getting what I wanted, you know? And I've like, been wanting this for so long, and what, they? And, and to celebrate with them? What an incredible act of sacrifice for us. But how amazing it can be. This is the way that God is saying, hey, this is the way. This is the way to do it. And, and to kind of get out of ourselves, right? To, to celebrate with someone. That, that, and that envy, the deal is that envy is kind of connected to, to pride, really, right? It's like our pride gets mixed up in all of this. In fact, we'll find out that pride is one of these like great disruptors to unity. This greatest disruptor is pride. And, and that's what this last, this third invitation is about in this chapter. It's about letting this pride go. In this last verse, verse 16, it says... Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. <laughs> I just love how it says it. Make friends with nobodies. You know, don't be the great somebody. 
in the New Living. And don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. Man, again, so challenging. Such a challenging thing. But in the light of the cross, in the light of how Jesus brings it together, we have this invitation to reject the temptation of like thinking superior thoughts about ourselves and, and, and actually coming down our perch of isolation. And what's so ironic too is that sometimes this, this superiority complex thing, it, it actually comes from a place of insecurity, right? It's like we're, we don't feel even worthy, but we want to make this like defense mechanism. And so we don't want, we don't want to get too close. So we're like put ourselves up on some kind of superiority thing to look down. And, and, and it's like because we're afraid. Maybe people might know us or find out about us. And then and this whole thing will come shattering down. And the idea of like coming down from our perch to like mingle with the commoners. You know, you think of those English TV shows. Ew, the commoners. Not going down there. Um, and yet that's the invitation. It's like, no, hang out with ordinary people, right? Mingling with people of low position is one of the, the definitions. And, and this idea of like being conceited, it doesn't have any place in the life of love, being conceited. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, the famous chapter about love in the Bible, it says this in verse 4 Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So that's what real love looks like. And, and you know, Jesus, as we look to Jesus, as we think about Jesus centering us together, he did all of these things in such beautiful ways. Jesus blessed everyone. Jesus prayed for his enemies in the most dramatic ways possible. One of his most famous prayers is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And it, and it happened right as his crucifixion executioners are hammering the nails into his hands and his feet. And he prays this prayer, forgive them, like praying for his enemies. And, and Jesus does that for us today. This moment now, the Bible says he's interceding on our behalf, that he's praying for us. And maybe you've, in different areas of your life, you've been an enemy of God. I know I have. There's moments in my life where I wanted to reject God and stiff arm and be like, not, not for me, and do my own thing. And, and, and even in those moments, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. And on your worst moments, when you're feeling in some ways like you're an enemy of God, just know this is the truth. Jesus is praying for you. He prays for us and, and forgives us. Jesus also celebrated with people in, in the most beautiful ways, and he also mourned with people in, in, in authentic, um, passionate expressions. In fact, the most kind of well-known verse is a two-word verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And, and this, this verse happened Jesus wept because his friend had died and the family was mourning this death. And in fact, Jesus already knew he was going to raise this person back to life just in a matter of moments. But even then, he still wept with this family, these people mourning because he knew how to relate to their situation and their emotions. And the beautiful thing is that this morning, right now in your situations and your life, in your sorrowful moments that Jesus is weeping with you. Right now, these moments. And when you bring your sorrow to him, he's not 
pointing fingers and criticizing, and well, well, yep, I told you so, shouldn't have done that, nope, not, yep. No, he's weeping with you. He's right there in the middle of it with you. You know, I, we've had some losses in our family, and the moment that I can remember that paints a picture of this so vividly for me, it, it happened a, about 10 years back, but it, it happened with our family dog. I know, it's kind of like not, everyone knows that a dog can be really meaningful too. In our family, we had gotten this golden retriever puppy, and all the four kids opened it on Christmas morning out of a box, like Hallmark explosion. It was just like the most, you know, and all those months, like raising this puppy is like the joy of our life. And my birthday was coming up, and my wife was cooking an amazing, like my favorite barbecue, brisket kind of like birthday dinner thing. And she was decorating the table and getting the candles out. Well, the dog had run out. Uh, in a busy street, like just just a couple that afternoon, um, an hour or so before that we were supposed to have my birthday dinner, and was hit by a car and died. And, and the, the, it's about eight month old, this golden retriever, and we had to put it in a plastic bag and take it to the place. And like, and then I, we, we get back to the house a little late for the dinner, and and we're sitting around the table. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're just, we're shocked. All the kids are crying. We're just mourning. And, and we put the, but we're sort of like, it's your birthday though, right? We're supposed to, do you have a birthday dinner? And I'm like, yeah, I guess we do. So we light the candles and the plates out. And none of us were hungry. Like none of us wanted to eat, you know? And we just like cried. We just like sat around the table and just like cried. Like we didn't even like pick up our forks or anything. We just like cried. And then we're sitting there and we're just like crying and, the image I, and, and, and I was thinking, where's God in this? Like, like, this is such a tragedy for our whole family, and where's, where's God in this, and what's Jesus up to? And then I had this image, he's weeping with us. That's where he is, he's right here at this table. He's like, you know, feeling it with us. It's those moments that we can know that, that that's where he's at. He's, he's with us in it. And he wants to meet us right where we are. And he wants to comfort us, be with us. Jesus not only blesses his enemies that way, he not only celebrates and weeps with us, prays for us, he, he also is famous for being friends with nobodies. Jesus did this like in the, in the most beautiful ways. In fact, he was kind of well-known for hanging out with people of, like, low reputation. And we've talked about this before. Mark 2, in the message, says the religion scholars and Pharisees, they saw him keeping this kind of company with the tax collectors and sinners, it says, and they lit into his disciples. What kind of example is this, acting cozy with the misfits? You know, in the New Living Translation, it's like, they saw him eating with tax collectors, sinners, and they said, why does he eat with such scum? Why does he eat with such scum, you know? And he was famous for this. Famous for hanging out with people just like this. We didn't deserve, none of us didn't deserve his love and grace. His willingness to hang out with us. He gave it anyway to us. His dying on a cross, it made a way for us to be made right with God. And through his resurrection, a second chance, a clean slate, you know, getting in on, on life as it was designed to be lived. This is what Jesus gives us and, and offers us. 
and, and all of us not deserving it, right? The Bible says all have fallen short of the grace of God, of the perfection of God. You know, all of us, we've, we've sinned and fallen short. That's our story. And yet here's Jesus hanging out with us, inviting us in to a life with God. You know, through following Jesus, we have this chance to be led into a community like this, a community that actually gets along with each other in the most authentic way possible, that blesses and doesn't curse, that shares the emotional journey of life, and that, and that welcomes and lifts up every person uh, no matter where they're at. And what gets lifted up when, when this happens, when we do this, what gets lifted up? The cross. The, the saving grace of Jesus gets lifted up in our community. And Jesus even prophesies this. John 12, he says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all everyone to myself. I'll draw all people to myself. And, and that's what can happen. That we can point people to Jesus by the way that we get along with others. This is this invitation, right? An invitation that sometimes goes against our nature and yet, the Spirit of God wants to invite us into freedom, freedom with one another, peace and community. And we can be an example to the city, to the county, of what it looks like to like love each other and, and actually get along in the most meaningful ways. So I want to invite the band up here. We're going to close with just this uh, moment of, of reflection, singing and prayer as we close our time. A, a chance to say, God, what do you want to do in my heart with all this stuff? You know, as we've been kind of unpacking this this morning, I want to say a prayer for us and invite us in to ponder these invitations today. You know, maybe what, what, what invitation seems to, like, really challenge you, you know? Um, what invitation do you know that you've got right in the front of your life? Like, you just know, hey, this is, God's inviting me into this, and, and this would make this situation better. Or, boy, I think, I know God would want to, I know God would want to kind of lead me in that way. Maybe you've got a situation, a, a situation of sorrow or a situation of victory, and what would it be to invite Jesus into that, into your life, who's longing to, to be a part of it with you? So I invite you, would you do that? Let's, let's close our eyes and invite you to bow your head in this moment as we just take just these last couple of moments to, to pray and reflect. So God, I pray for my friends, this community here this morning. I, God, I ask that you would help us see these invitations not as like rules or obligatory duties or commands that seem impossible to do, but God, we would see them as invitations from your spirit to experience community how it was meant to be lived. God, would you help us? Would you help my friends here to pray for those that are their enemies or their haters or causing conflict in their life? God, we ask that you would soften those people's hearts, those ones that are attacking us for whatever reason. God, I join the prayers of my friends here and we ask, God, that you would bring reconciliation, that you would soften the anger, you would quiet the noise, and that you'd bring peace. And to these people that are 
attacking us or whatever. Uh, as much as they're in the wrong, God, we pray you would show them the right and, and lead them in clarity so that they can meet us a little more halfway or whatever it is. You'd bring, smooth out the jagged edges of these situations. God, for those of us who are celebrating victories this morning or mourning losses today, I pray, God, that you would help us see you in the middle of it with us. And we know that you're right here and we can turn to you in it. And God, I pray that you would help us to see everyone around us not in layers of judging or criticizing or better than or whatever, but God, you'd help us to, to not be critical, but to be open to others in a new way. You'd show us, God, how to relate to people that aren't like ourselves, who are different from us, and, and that you'd invite us into loving people like that, and that our lives can be richer for it. And so, God, by your spirit, lead us in these ways, we pray as we sing this last song to you, God. May it not just be a perfunctory duty of singing a song, but God, may it be a prayer that we can pray to you this morning. A prayer of faith, of remembrance of who you are and what you can do in our lives as we give our lives to you and open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.